0: Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator of this new show that you're listening to right across the province here in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day. But this is really your opportunity to speak with him, to ask questions, to voice your concerns, to raise issues you feel need to be addressed, and please do so in a respectful manner. This is your chance to speak with the Premier one-on-one. Whatever's on your mind... But keep it short. Last week, we couldn't get to all of the calls and texts, so you will have to be patient. And if a question has already been asked by a previous caller, you won't be able to ask it again. Premier Kenny wants to hear from you. You can call or text in Calgary at 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And across the province, one 800 563 Seventy-seven, seventy. Premier Kenny, welcome to the show. Great to be back, Wayne. Thanks very much. Well, it's been a, a tumultuous week. Uh, it, it, it seems like a new day, new issue. And I wanted to start off with the one that we can't really ignore. And your leadership is under attack. We have former Conservative MP and Alberta Wildrose leader, and now newly minted UCP MLA Brian Jean, making no bones that he wants you gone. So my question to you is. What's wrong with the United Conservative Party? Or maybe the question should be, what's wrong with the Conservative voters historically and currently, both provincially and throughout Canada? Here in Alberta, in my mind, party members don't seem to have grasped the meaning of the word united or is it because the conservative tent is is just too big and and i'm just let me continue i've asked my listeners to be short but i'm going to break my own rule democracy by its nature really is is based on the concept of majority rule so there's always going to be those in the minority dissatisfied that their views aren't being represented but within the conservative party especially people always seem to want to get their own way. I mean, we had the formation of the Reform Party, when provincially and federally, the Canadian Alliance, the Wild Rose Party, then the Alberta Advantage Party, which was formed by those people who were upset with the Wild Rose merger with PCs. And, And again, is it just simply too much to ask to appeal to such a broad base of conservatism? Well, apparently it is for a small number of people, but I have confidence that the vast majority
1: of mainstream conservatives know that we must be united. I led a process over three years going to every corner of the province, Wayne. Uh, With that message, we ended up with a, I call it the accidental NDP government that did huge damage to this province. They worked with Trudeau to shut down pipelines. They brought in the carbon tax and so much more. We did that because conservatives were divided. And that's why we created this United Party. Now, obviously, there's always going to be some people with grievances in any party or or movement at any given uh, time. But, uh, and, and there will be a leadership vote, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I've been around the province. I am encouraged by the expressions of support I'm hearing from people. But you've asked some important questions there. I think we, we need to, I think part of this is because COVID's been a really tough time, and it's divided people, Fam, families, and faith yeah, groups, and exactly. businesses, and everyone. I understand that. So we have a choice as a party, as a province. We can either spend the rest of our lives arguing with each other about covid or we can choose to move forward look through the not the rearview mirror but the windshield as a bright day of economic renewal dawns on the province uh we're leading canada economic growth uh, we're seeing incredible diversification as a result of this government's policy yeah, so
0: there's I, lots of positive stuff there uh mr it, kenny but you've got a target on your back let's let's be clear
1: yeah, and you know what? Uh, there's some people that want to settle scores from that, that didn't, didn't like the decision our members made in, in choosing me to be the leader, um, and people who want to settle scores over COVID. Now, you've asked, is the tent too big? Look, I've always said we need to be a broad, uh, a big tent party within the mainstream of Alberta politics. And let me be clear, even at the height of Peter Lougheed and Ralph Klein's popularity, there were always some marginal parties out there, on the hard right, that would get uh, 5 or 8% of the vote. And and those are some of the people who are very angry right now. But perpetual anger on the margins of our politics is not how you form a majority government. Right now the polls are saying that today, under my leadership, we would form a majority government. We've got 14 months to go. That's before.
0: according to the latest poll, Janet we, Brown poll.
1: Yeah, and I've seen others and uh, that say the same thing. We've got 14 months of, to go of leading Canada in economic growth, in job growth, in diversification, in fighting for a stronger province. Let me just say two things I've learned, a couple things I've learned in the last tough uh, two year period. One, it's a lot harder to unite than it is to divide. It's a lot harder to build than it is to tear down. So and it's a lot with- harder to lead through a crisis than it is to criticize from the sidelines. I think that the vast majority of mainstream conservatives. Want to look to the future? Want to unite, build, and lead into a period of prosperity. So, how do you mend that uh, fence with Brian Jean? Well, ultimately, you know, it, this shouldn't be about any individual. This is about the. Uh, this is a grassroots party. Our members will have their uh, say, and I hope that all everybody will respect the outcome. I certainly will.
0: How many memberships have uh, have been uh, paid for right I now? I haven't heard uh, the the latest. There's been growth uh, for sure
1: uh, in in recent weeks. I, I I last I heard there were. Uh, well over 10,000 people registered right. for the Red Deer Special General meeting. Are you and going they're... to
0: be busing in your supporters?
1: Well, I think people all around the province are organizing their own buses, constituency right. associations
0: and whatnot. Well, let's go to the phones. We'll start off with uh, Joanne. Uh, Joanne has a question about uh, Aish, I believe. Joanne, go ahead. Uh, good morning Premier Kenny. Thank you so much for taking my question. You instructed AHS to drop the vaccine mandate for employees because you stated there is no difference in terms of transmission between
1: unvaccinated and vaccinated healthcare workers. Unfortunately, all new hires are still required to
0: be vaccinated in order to be employed with AHS. There are many out-of-province healthcare workers who would love to come work in Alberta if this was eliminated. Why are new hires still subject to this rule
1: and when will it be eliminated, especially when Alberta needs healthcare workers? Yes, thanks for the good question, Joanne. So my understanding is that Alberta Health Services and before it, um, all the way back, decades back, our hospitals have always had a requirement uh, for healthcare workers to get the standard uh, series of vaccines, for example, measles, uh, mump and, mumps and rubella uh, and uh, polio and other vaccines. So that's a standard uh a requirement in most house health, most healthcare settings, not just here, but all around the world, and uh, so I, I think they're just carrying on that that normal practice. Um, and, you know, they have uh, because Omicron uh, is so transmissible. Uh, we asked AHS to go back to the drawing board on the a vaccine requirement for current employees because it was really impairing our ability to operate, for example, continuing care uh, nursing homes in parts of rural Alberta with low vaccination levels and and the patient has to come first but also we have to recognize that the hospitals do have um, uh, their their own protocols with respect to things like vaccines and and I respect the medical professionals in in that respect.
0: All right, we have time for one more question before we go to break and we're going to go to, looks like Derek uh, plan for crypto Hi there,
1: Premier. Uh, thanks for doing this. I think it's important that we're able to uh, have an open like a communication to our government here. Uh, in, in the throne speech, you had made mention of supporting cryptocurrency industries in Alberta. Uh, specifically, what I'd like to ask about, uh, myself and many other people have been involved in mining cryptocurrency and supporting uh, both the Alberta economy through employing subcontractors through various areas and utilizing uh, Alberta resources in uh, essentially what is diversifying our, our natural gas and other electric, electrical resources. Uh, what are the supports that uh, the province of Alberta is planning on doing for entrepreneurs
0: involved in those areas that are able to uh, essentially expand Alberta's offering in the cryptocurrency markets
1: great questions Derek and you're you're bang on this could be another great uh, tool for us further to diversify Alberta's economy while also leveraging our abundant resources for example through inexpensive uh, natural gas power generation with co-location on those at those sites of, uh, of data mining operations for people who don't understand, uh, for for the whole crypto system to work and, and other data processing, you need these enormous data processing centers that suck up their their big energy uh, uh, draws. Yeah. And, and so uh, you've got to have super low electricity prices. We have a cold climate, which helps. So the answer to your question, Derek, is we are going to be coming forward with legislation this spring, to allow for uh, self-supply of energy and export. And that will effectively allow crypto operations or data mining operations to co-locate at or close to uh, power generation stations um, at, at much lower cost. And uh, that's the key thing. That's what Texas has done to really ramp up their uh, their data mining investments. And, you know, there's a lot of this stuff located in China right now. I think many companies would like to move out uh, to uh, a liberal democracy like Canada, a cold climate like Alberta, abundant and, and in principle inexpensive electricity production through natural gas cogen. So we're working with the industry association that represents uh, folks like you uh, to see what else we need to do on the regulatory front to make this possible.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Premier Kenny. We're going to take a break right now. More with Premier Jason Kenny when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. If you're just joining us today, you're listening to Your Province, Your Premier, and you show every Saturday morning for listeners throughout Alberta, in Edmonton on 630 CHED, and here in Calgary on 770 CHQR. It is your opportunity to be heard by the Premier to chat one-on-one with Premier Jason Kenney in Calgary. Call or text 403-974-8255 at Edmonton, 780-496-0063, and across the province at one 800 563 seventy seven seventy I want to go to our phones first because I think there's a, an important question, uh, Mr. Kenny that picked up on what we were talking about before and and that was polarization uh, in within the party. We're going to go to Derek uh, Derek. you are on the air with mr. Jason Kenny.
1: Hi there, mr. premier. Um, I ha- was wondering, given that last summer multiple multiple medical professionals except your own. We're saying that uh, it was
0: too early to ease up the restrictions as much as you did. Do you feel any responsibility whatsoever for the sicknesses and deaths that your actions caused?
1: Well, I don't feel responsibility for the fact that COVID has been circulating around the world and, and sadly has taken millions of lives in every part of the world. Uh, what we've tried to do is to, uh, to ne- a per- take a balanced approach that avoided... Uh, Uh, large-scale fatalities like we've seen in some parts of the world prevent a disaster in our hospitals while at the same time minimizing the damaging impact of uh, public health restrictions on people's mental and emotional and financial well-being. As we hopefully uh, see the, the, the worst of COVID behind us Alberta has a per capita fatality rate from COVID that is lower than Canada's, lower than three other provinces, about one third of the United States fatality rate and one half of Europe's. And we did that with less damaging restrictions than most of those places. So, we, you know, I won't say that Alberta's response has been perfect. We've made mistakes and we can, of course, spend the rest of our lives arguing about that. But I I think having a significantly lower fatality rate with
0: less damaging restrictions speaks well to how Burton's have risen to the challenge of the past two years. Mr. Kenney, we have a text that says the UCP leader also has been pandering to anti-science and anti-vaccine people during the entire pandemic. What do you say to that? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I don't know how you could say that when in fact our
1: government has been actively promoting Uh, Vaccines. We brought in a $100 incentive to encourage people to get vaccinated. We were the only province to bring in a lottery to encourage people to get vaccinated. We had the restriction exemption program, and we managed to get our vaccine rates up to about 90% first dose coverage, 87% second dose. I am a little concerned that our third dose level is lagging, and I just encourage folks that got their first two uh, to help further protect themselves and our hospitals uh, by getting the booster shot. Um, But the truth is uh, that much of the political opposition I'm facing in my own party comes from people who are very hostile uh, to to vaccines and what we've done to promote them. We believe they're safe and effective, uh, but at the end of the day, it's
0: people's choice as to whether or not to take them. Isn't it really a matter that you can satisfy some of the people most of the time, and most of the people some of the time, but not for a long time, and all of the people almost never? <laughs> well well put, <laughs> Wayne. In, in COVID, especially
1: in this province, there's been a huge polarization. Um, and, you know, you've had one side that wanted more or less uh, like New Zealand-style hard lockdowns, curfews, uh, cops on every corner. Um, and, and, and stay-at-home orders for much, much of the past few years. On the other side, you have people that wanted to let it rip. Either of those things, I think, would have, been, uh, would have had disastrous consequences. We've tried our best, through trial and error, uh, to find a balanced approach that used restrictions as a last and limited resort um, to protect our
0: hospitals but avoid the damage of restrictions. All right. Go back to the phones, and we're going to talk with Jerry. Uh, Jerry's been waiting for over 20 minutes. Uh, Jerry, you're on you? the air with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Hello, Premier. Uh, I was just wondering why uh, Pastor Auteur is still not being allowed out of jail.
1: Okay, well, thank you, Jerry. That's a question much better put to the judge because uh, it's not politicians who decide uh, who is in jail or why. It's our legal system, and our independent judiciary. And uh, I understand that individuals, that Mr. Pulowski is in the remand center because of multiple violations of uh, terms of release and court orders, and more, more recently because he was detained on charges of having allegedly uh, incited people to break the law, um, where he went down to the Coots Border Crossing group and called and said, this is our Alamo and said, this is something we should be prepared to die for. I'll just quote from uh, the Queens bench judge in Lethbridge on this. To answer your question, she said, quotes, Uh, that uh, I've concluded that the Crown's grounds for seeking detention are substantial and that there is a substantial likelihood that the accused will, if released from custody, continue offending or interfering with the administration of justice. His pattern of behavior speaks volumes about his willful commission of offenses and violations. His conduct, if proven at trial, has contributed to enormous economic harm to the local, provincial, and national economy, and substantial community harm to ordinary Canadians. That's from the judge at the Court of Queen's Bench. Mr. Pulowski has every right to process natural justice and, and uh, the right to be uh, represented uh, in front of that court, but it's a judicial
0: proceeding, not a political matter. All right, Justin has a great uh, question here, and it is uh, regarding the uh, leadership review, I believe. Justin, you're on the air. Hi, Premier Kenny. What steps are being taken to ensure that, um, you mentioned that there are more than 10,000 people registered to vote on the April the 9th. What steps are being taken to ensure that everybody can vote? Because that's a lot of people that need to be processed in six hours.
1: Yeah, that's a very good question, Justin, and that's something that the uh, elected board of the United Conservative Party is going to have to look at um, because I've heard estimates based on the the, uh, current trends that there could be up to 15,000 delegates registered. And and, uh, this is booked for a hotel, which I think has a maximum capacity of a couple of thousand. So I I think, uh, you know, the the number of registrations has far exceeded what the board initially expected, and uh, they'll have to take a look at that, Justin, but uh, that's
0: their decision, not mine. Mr. Kenny, is it, uh, is it worrisome for you when you have that many people coming out? Usually, in a general election, the more people come out, it's a sign of of, of dissatisfaction, of discontent, a, a protest vote. Do you read it this way? Well, as I get around the province, I'm
1: actually encouraged, Wayne, to hear from people who understand that the government had to make some tough decisions in the past two years, but the province is on track. We've comp- completed 88% our uh, commitments to Albertans. We're doing what we said we would do. We've got a balanced budget. Uh, we, we were leading Canada in economic growth. Uh, And, you know, we're responding to the number one concern of Albertans right now by scrapping the fuel tax to help people deal with the cost of living, doing that on April the 1st. So uh, I I think that that the vast majority of mainstream conservatives are happy with the direction of the province and the government, and I hope to see that reflected when the vote happens.
0: What about your move to have your unpaid staff, uh, you've given them unpaid leave uh, to to help work on your behalf. Uh, nothing unusual there, Wayne, for political staff to take
1: some unpaid time off to work on political campaigns. Uh, that That's just a normal thing at, at election time, and this is an internal election. A couple of them have taken uh, some days off uh, unpaid to do
0: so. Our uh, NDP leader, Rachel Notley, has said, doesn't the premier realize, even though it's called the premier's office, it's actually there to serve Albertans? And that's exactly what we're doing every single day. You know, uh, even through COVID, while the
1: NDP uh, was demanding lockdowns and trying to politicize and divide Albertans during that difficult time, uh, we continued to deliver. And in fact, we, we sat longer in the legislature, passed more legislation than any government in Canada to, to build the foundations of this amazing economic turnaround that we are now experiencing. Last year was the best year ever for Alberta exports, manufacturing, forestry, agricultural revenues, uh, film and television, high-tech, venture capital, oil and gas, uh, and new, huge new industries, petrochemicals and hydrogen coming on with billions of new investments. That didn't
0: happen by accident. That's been a result of a lot of the hard work led out of the Premier's office. All right, let's go to the phones, and we're going to chat with Tom. Tom, go ahead. Yeah, hi, thanks, uh, and Mr. Kenny, thanks for taking my call. Thanks. Um, I I just have a quick uh, comment
1: and a question. Um, I saw you recently had disqualified, not you particularly,
0: but the UCP, uh, disqualified a couple of candidates just due to some unsavory, you know, racist, you know, maybe corrupt old social media posts. And I just wanted to say, I think, you know, the main goal of that is to stop any future bombs or, you know, the erosion
1: of trust with your party. Is that correct? Yes, Tom. So thank you for raising that. When I worked so hard uh, on uniting conservatives uh, across the province, one of the most frequent uh, points people made to me was don't let another Lake of Fire event happen. You may recall in the 20, what was it, the 2011 election when uh, people, uh, when, when a former Wildrose candidate had a social media posting that came to light Calling for uh, certain certain people to be f- face eternal j- judgment in a lake of fire uh, that uh, led to that mean that uh, overturned where that radically changed the election outcome and that was a total failure of candidate screening. I committed to have rigorous candidate screening now recently. Uh, One of the guys running around the province organizing against my leadership is a guy named Todd Beasley from Brooks Medicine Hat, who we screened out as a candidate last time because he had posted on social media, and I quote, that Islam is not a religion of peace. It's cruel, revolting, racist, oppressive, and has no legitimate basis. The Mongols would have done mankind a favor if they snuffed this evil cult when they had the chance. We have another candidate who was just excluded uh, on a unanimous vote of our screening committee who posted online her agreement with this, that quotes, Islam is, dare I say it, a death cult. Um, And uh, another individual who was screened out, who had spent time on white supremacist uh, social media platforms. Uh, So let me be really clear. As long as I am leader of this party, we will not tolerate individuals like this becoming candidates of a party that stands in the broad mainstream of Alberta values that reflects the diversity of today's Alberta, period,
0: full stop. Thank you, Mr. Kenny. Our next caller is Brent. Plans for an east-west highway, Brent. Hi, how are you doing, Mr. Kenny? Great. Um, I'm calling from the RMWB, and our local council seems pretty focused on another north-south road, which I don't think would be very good if we had another disaster like we did. I was just wondering if there's any plans to finish Highway 686 or take Scott Molop on his offer to finish their portion of the Losh all-winter road to give us some east-west access.
1: Great question, Brent. So we've, we're taking a look at that. Uh, Scott Moe did approach me on that idea um, a couple of months back, Um that, that would be a really expensive road for us, several hundred million dollars, and it's it doesn't have the traffic to justify that. But we do recognize we need to keep keep building the infrastructure up in Wood Buffalo because so much of our wealth comes from there, and um, it, we 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 you guys need the infrastructure to get that that heavy equipment around uh, and to to ensure. And, and you know we, we've got a, a resource corridors task force report from MLA Shane Gatson uh, that is looking at. Uh, how we can build the most economically efficient um, infrastructure to support resource extraction in the economy of northern Alberta. One idea, as you know, is is potentially a road that would go from uh, uh, from Fort McMurray to, to Grand Prairie. Again, that would be hugely expensive. Maybe there's a user pay option there where we, where we could work with industry. So we're open-minded about that and, sh- and certainly want to hear from uh, folks who live
0: up north on, on the, the priority infrastructure for the future. Thank you for that. Uh, Brent? has a question regarding RCMP in Alberta. Brent, go ahead. Well, thank you. Uh, Good morning, Premier. Uh, My question is uh, around your government's move to review and replace the RCMP as the provincial police force here in Alberta. Uh, I believe there's an overwhelming uh, number of Albertans who support retaining the RCMP as the provincial police force and also the issue around uh, the cost attached to operating a an independent pro- uh, provincial police force. Yeah. Thank you, Premier.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brent. Uh, I, I'm really interested in this issue because, you know, Quebec, Ontario, and Newfoundland have always had their own separate provincial police forces uh, which serve their people well, and we did in Alberta uh, until we, we defaulted on our debt in the, in the 1930s as a province. Um, I respect the RCMP and the good work that they do, but uh, I, I think we could do better with a community model of policing that uh, an Alberta provincial police force would allow us to have, you know, one of the drawbacks of the RCMP is you, you get good young Canadians coming out of Depot and Regina, and they get, you know, you might end up with a young New Brunswicker who's posted to Wetaskiwin or, uh, or, or to to um, Drayton Valley. And they don't know the community. It takes them a t- time to learn the geography, the culture, who the bad guys are, and that kind of thing. And uh, then they're reposted to Prince George or to Brandon. And 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 there's this constant cycling in and out of staff. I would love to have a provincial police service where a kid could grow up in Wetaskiwin and dream about serving their community, go to an Alberta... Uh, police Depot come back and serve the community for the rest of their lives that's that's the basis of community policing we've done a report on this that that also uh, rec- recommends a holistic approach to policing including the employment of of, of uh, psychologists social workers uh, alternative uh, a, a treatment of appro- uh, sorry uh, sentencing approaches for people coping with addictions it also proposes that we would include uh, indigenous people. A permanently on a civilian police commission so we can be more sensitive to issues around racism in, in policing. So I think there's a lot of benefit potentially to having our own Alberta Provincial Police Service. If it works for Ontario and Quebec, it could work well here, but we are involved in, more deep, uh, in deeper consultations, particularly with municipalities and First Nations on that.
0: Premier Kenney, we have this uh, text message. Is my tax dollar paying Chorus Radio for this airtime? No. All right. Short and sweet. All right. Let's get to our next caller. And that is Lorna. Uh, Lorna, you are on the air with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Good morning, Premier Kenny. I'm calling. I'm hearing that there's a committee that's presently um, investigating property rights for Alberta. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to understand what is their mandate? How would it affect us as Albertans? And um, I'm, I've, Looked up the information, um, but I'm not very savvy with computers. Is there a way that we can have updates for the more general layman um, on an ongoing
1: basis to know what they're actually they're coming up with? Thank you, Lorna. That's a great question. So in the last um, election, we committed in our platform to uh, take a number of measures to, pr- to strengthen protection for property rights in Alberta. There were some land use laws introduced about a decade ago, which were widely seen as as kind of undermining uh, property rights. And I've always believed that property rights should be enshrined in the Canadian Constitution. Um, they were recognized in John Diefenbaker's Bill of Rights, uh, but not included in uh, the Trudeau Charter of Rights in 1982. So we, as, a, as an Alberta government, would support the entrenchment of property rights as a constitutional principle. Uh, but we've asked this uh, special committee of the legislature to examine how we can uh, best strengthen property rights in Alberta. And uh, they are holding hearings. Um, they... Uh, the Information is available online. If I would say we'll try to post more content about that on social media for people maybe who are not aware of this. Uh, there is an email address. If you just Google um, Alberta Real Property Rights Committee, there's an outline about how you can make submissions to and follow the hearings of that committee
0: of the legislature that's doing really important work right, right now. Thanks very much for that call. A text message here, Mr. Premier. First off, the... The texture says, I want to know why aren't you doing more to help the farmers in this province because of the drought instead of sending the SPCA to seize the cattle and other livestock? uh, You want to ask, Mr. Premier, why the SPCA workers are taking away farmers' livelihoods? Well, that's the first I've heard of that, and that does concern me.
1: Uh, I will raise that with our Ag Minister, who happens to be a rancher, uh, Nate Horner. I have not heard that before. We did provide very significant support, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of support to livestock producers last year when they could not afford feed because of uh, the dry weather. And uh, we'll continue to be there, both through crop insurance, uh, of course, for our our grains and oilseeds producers, but also uh, to provide needed support, if necessary, to maintain the herd in Alberta, should we, God forbid, face bad weather again this year. Uh, Let me just add, Wayne, that this is going to be a really tumultuous year in agriculture because of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, which could take about 25% of global grain uh, exports out of the globe, the world food market. So we're going to see huge high prices, but also very high input costs for fertilizer, etc. This may also affect uh, the affordability of feed for our livestock producers. So we're watching all of that very closely. We're going to need Alberta farmers now more than ever to help feed the world in the face of food scarcity coming out of Europe. That's also going to be a little bit difficult too when you have a threatened rail strike. Very good point, and uh, I understand CP has gone forward with a lockout because they're facing a strike a threat. Uh, that could be devastating at a time when we're already struggling from uh, supply ch- ch- chain challenges, higher inflation Uh, This is going to make a bad situation worse. Within about 10 days, it could be devastating for Alberta ag exporters and also impede our ability to get Alberta energy to markets to replace Russian oil. So this this could not come at a worse time, which is why I've signed a letter with the premiers of Saskatchewan and Manitoba calling on the feds immediately to take legal action to prevent a rail stoppage
0: which would uh, be devastating for the commodities industries in western Canada. All right let's go back to the calls. Uh, Sandra you're on the air with Premier Jason Kenney. Go ahead. Hi Premier Kenney. I respect you very much. Um, I enjoy what you're doing for Alberta and fighting for us. uh,
1: Born and raised Albertan. Um, I do have a question though and I'm not a separatist but I want to know why Alberta cannot be a nation within a nation like Quebec. Where we determine our own immigration, you know, uh, collect our taxes and what we feel is right to Ottawa, you know, our own police force, you know, some of the items that were outlined in the firewall letter. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we seem to be getting the bad end of the stick all the time. We're <laughs> like the skinny cow that keeps getting milked
0: and <laughs> even though we're broke.
1: Thank you, Sandra. You know, it's funny you should say that. There was a famous cartoon way back in the, eight, in the late 1800s, which had this milk cow. Uh, uh, that was eating the grass in Western Canada, but being milked in Eastern Canada, and 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 somehow that's been prophetic for like 150 years about our role in the federation. You're right. So, Sandra, to answer your question, I would suggest you go online and check out the um, the the Fair Deal panel report. So, basically, I asked this panel after Trudeau was reelected in the fall of 2019, running on an anti-Alberta campaign. Basically attacking our energy industry, I appointed this panel of of eminent Albertans to consult with with uh, citizens here about how best to build a strong Alberta, a more autonomous uh, Alberta that that exercises more of our. Uh, sovereignty within the federation. And and I asked them to look at all of those firewall letter ideas and they came back with, I think, a really solid report. We've accepted all the recommendations and we're implementing them. Now, there's some of these things that unfortunately we can't do without the federal government giving us the power. For example, on on immigration, we do have limited immigration power. We'd love to get more. On collecting taxes, we would need the federal um, approval to collect the federal taxes. The federal conservatives have committed that they'll give Quebec that power. So if we have a federal conservative Government will demand the same power to collect both the federal and provincial taxes. On police, as I said, I'm very keen on the idea. We're working on it, and as well as on pensions, we have secured from Ottawa important powers on methane regulation, major emitters uh, CO2 regulations, uh, woodland caribou uh, habitat regulation. Those are big ticket items. We've, gotten a, we've set up an Alberta Provincial Parole Board. We've appointed an Alberta Chief Firearms Officer. We've held our Senate elections. We held our referendum on equalization. Um, and uh, we're suing Trudeau over the No More Pipelines law, over the tanker ban. Of course, we also sued him over the carbon tax. So we'll continue to do whatever we can to fight for a stronger Alberta.
0: All right, off to the phones one more time. Uh, a little bit lighter tone. This just happened last weekend. David, you're on the air with Premier Jason Kenney. Go ahead. Well, um, I voted in the last referendum and you had a question on there regarding um daylight saving time. Um the uh the wording was extremely obscure. I, I walked away from the vote. I, I voted on all three issues. Um, I walked away from the vote and I was questioning myself as to whether I had answered it correctly. Um, are you willing to we asked the question whether we want to leave Daylight Saving Time alone in Canada, in in Alberta. Thanks very much. And I, I'm sorry if, you've, if the, you found the, the question confusing. Uh, you I know, don't think he's the only one, Mr. Okay. Kenny. I looked at that question too, and I go, could you have not made it more difficult?
1: Well, here's the question. Do you want Alberta to adopt year-round Daylight Saving Time that is summer hours, eliminating the need to change our clocks twice a year. Um, okay, I, I suppose some people might, might have found that confusing. In any event, I I, I wanted us to ha- to keep the clock on, the, not to stop having to change it twice a year. I find that just a nuisance. Yeah. But we went to the polls, and it was <laughs> unbelievable: fifty point two percent to forty nine point seven percent. So I was on the uh, losing side of that, but just barely. And maybe we'll bring it back someday, but you you can't keep holding referendums <laughs> uh, over and over again, waiting for your preferred outcome. So I think yeah. we're going to have to give it a bit of a break, and maybe consult with people if there's a simpler way of putting the question. And and people, if people want us to come
0: forward with this again, I, I'd be happy to at some point. We in the future. may not have much of a choice. I think that, uh, well, that uh, Washington uh, in the United States is considering. Well, that's moving. The, that's part of the problem here.
1: Uh, is that you know, we, of course, we have got Saskatchewan that stays on the clock. BC is moving to staying on the same clock. Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Alaska, and Yukon. So we can't be an outlier yeah, in the western half everything. of the continent
0: here, and that's something we may, may need to address in the future. One question before we take a break, Mr. Kenney, and uh, we have the Beltline protests here in Calgary. Uh, what do you, what can you do about that? I mean, we've just had a decision from a judge saying, hey, police, you, you need to do your job. But here was here's what the powers are. Yeah, that that is a law enforcement matter for the Calgary uh, Police
1: Service and bylaw officers, not for the provincial government. Um, and you know, it's between the law enforcement and the and uh, the courts. Um, I I can understand people are inconvenienced. We obviously respect the right of legal and, and uh, peaceful protest. But I would also ask people to not to inconvenience their fellow citizens unnecessarily if they're trying to make. I don't even know what the point is because Alberta lifted all of our. COVID rules weeks ago. Um, But if they want to make a point, how about Going in, into a public area, go in front of I'll, I'll invite people. Go in front of McDougall Center. We've got a spot there that's perfect for protests. Um, uh, go in front of the federal building. Uh, the, it's called the uh, the Harry Hayes Building. That's if you're upset about the federal travel vaccine mandate. So am I. Go in front of there. You can make your point without inconveniencing people in that neighborhood. That would be my appeal. Um, but I find it h- hilarious that the NDP and their and their members of uh, Calgary City Council are now calling on the province to give the Calgary Police Service more money when last year the left's demand was to defund the police. I mean, pick a lane, folks, on the left. Do you want to defund the police or do you want them to have more money?
0: Uh, I don't understand. All right, we're going to take a break. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Jason Kenney. We'll be back with more on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back to Your Province, your premier, a new show for listeners throughout Alberta. In Edmonton, it's on 630Chad, here in Calgary on 770 CHQR. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. Every Saturday morning from 10 to 11, you'll have the opportunity to speak with Premier Jason Kenney, to ask those questions, to voice your concerns one-on-one with the premier, and because of the sheer volume of calls and texts, please keep them as short as possible, and I'll ask the premier to do the same. The numbers in Calgary, 403 Nine seven four eight two five five in Edmonton seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Elsewhere in the province one eight hundred five six three seventy seven seventy. All right, I wanted to uh, get on with a uh, text right off the bat, uh, Mr. Kenny. Can you ask Premier Kenny what he plans to do after he loses the April 9th leadership vote? <laughs> well, I don't
1: plan on losing it, so the, the question is not valid. I um, uh, really encourage, as I get around the province, to hear uh, the support from mainstream grassroots conservatives for the direction of our government. We've done what we said we would do. We've implemented 88% of our campaign commitments, not even three years into our mandate. Uh, we The key commitments were jobs, the economy, and pipelines. Well, we are leading Canada in job growth, 130,000 net new jobs last year. We're leading Canada in economic growth. We're getting pipelines done. Line three, TMX will be done next year, and three pipelines within the province. And uh, I just got off the phone uh, this week with... um The chairman of the Senate Energy Committee, Joe Manchin, who has invited me to appear before the Senate in the United States to make the argument for uh, the Keystone XL or another major uh, pipeline. So this is a government that's keeping its commitments, um, and I am happy to be held accountable
0: by our members, and I will certainly respect the outcome. I hope everybody does. Would you consider it a slap in the face by President Joe Biden? Uh, He goes to Iraq. He wants to lift sanctions against Venezuela. He turns to Saudi Arabia. No mention of the fact that Canada is an ally that has oil, that Alberta is an ally that has oil, and you were in Washington, D.C. in January. You were down in Houston at the the conference recently. What's what's going on? Uh, It's bizarre. I was
1: down in Washington a few weeks back meeting with governors and union leaders, Uh, overwhelming support for more Canadian energy. There's a recent poll, 77% of Americans support Keystone XL or something like it. Um, And it is bizarre that uh, Joe Biden canceled that pipeline that would have delivered nearly 900,000 barrels a day of responsibly produced energy from America's closest friend and ally, only then uh, to realize he's dependent on Putin's dictator oil, Every barrel of which has Ukrainian blood in it. And so now having um, uh, blocked Ukrainian, uh, sorry, Russian oil imports, he's pleading with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the theocratic dictatorship of Iran, and the socialist dictatorship of Venezuela to produce and ship more. This makes no sense. And I can't find anybody in the U.S. Congress who agrees. Unfortunately, I think the administration locked themselves into a position to please the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democrat Party. But we're not going to give up our fight for North 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 American
0: energy security. What about the financial commitment to that, though? Are are we, you know, I mean, the Biden administration pulled the rug out from Andres, uh, and you are prepared to perhaps revisit Keystone XL. what would that cost well keystone excel itself as a project of transcanada
1: energy is uh, i th- i think it's it's in the past because tc energy is not interested in coming back to the table and spending billions of dollars but as i've said where there is a will there is a way and and uh, there are people in the us congress uh in fact a law was just introduced in the house of representatives a bill uh, to uh re to to bring back a project like that there are assets in the ground that could be acquired uh, and, and, and we could perhaps the governments could cooperate to create, to de-risk this financially, to put out the completion of the pipeline. To some kind of a public tender process Um, So I Just like the federal government did, frankly When when Kinder Morgan dropped uh, Trans Mountain expansion They bought that, they de-risked it And so I I think maybe that's a precedent And we would be prepared in principle To participate in that Partly because we estimate That getting KXL or something like it done Would represent a $30 billion lift In Alberta government
0: revenues All right, back to the phones Peter, you've been hanging on for some time Uh, Tax question for Premier Kenny Go ahead Hello, Mr. Kenny. Um, Just to make things clear, I live in Evercreek Bluffs in Calgary, and I go by your nice door every day just about. My question to you is to look at the uh, NMAX bill, and you will notice that uh, Pretty Boy in Ottawa put a carbon tax on there. And then look a little closer, and you'll see we pay GST on that carbon tax. You are not only the premier of this province, you're my MLA. So take your hat off. You're my m- MLA. Why is this happening? Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, and it's an honour to represent you, sir. Uh, it's happening because Justin Trudeau actually wants to make energy le- m- more expensive and less affordable. It's not an accident. This is their design. This is their... They they don't think this is a bug but a feature. And uh, they're raising it further on... Um, April the 1st, even in the face of huge energy inflation. This is ridiculous, but this is what they want. And, he, and if and if you think it's expensive now, uh, you know, hold on to your wallet because they want to more than triple the carbon tax to take it to uh, $170 a ton. That would equal just about $1,000 in carbon tax per year for an average household just on home heating gas. It would not, and even more, of course, from uh uh, automobile fuel and uh, and electricity. So this ha- this craziness has to stop. Uh, as you know, Alberta, we are e- uh, eliminating the Al- provincial fuel tax on uh, April the 1st. That's a $1.5 billion tax savings on an annualized basis should we continue with, with high oil prices. Um, but unfortunately, Trudeau will be raising his carbon tax on the same day. So we challenged this in court. We lost 5-3 to three in the Supreme Court of Canada. We'll continue to fight it. And I hope that voters in Central Canada will finally wake up to the, to the reality that carbon taxes are about putting them in energy poverty. Doug Ford got elected on by opposing policies like that at, at the Ontario provincial election. I hope we'll see something similar happen in a future federal election in Ontario.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, time for one more call here, I think, before we have to wrap things up today. We're going to go to Wayne and this has to do with Casey Maddow. Wayne, Good morning, go ahead. Premier Kenny. How are you this morning? Fine. Thank you,
1: Wayne.
0: I was just wondering when... Uh... Minister Madu picked up his phone and made a phone call to the city of Edmonton chief of police and him being the minister of justice, why he wasn't fired right away on the spot. And my second part to that is you guys in your government turned around and hired a retired judge to look into this, and you probably already knew what the answer was before she even gave it back to you. And what did that cost the taxpayer? All they, right, Wayne, the, uh, Mr. Premier, we have a quick minute to wrap things yeah, up. Th- thank you, Wayne. Uh, the, the
1: answer is that uh, the eminent uh, police chief had said that uh, the minister had not tried to intervene uh, or interfere with the ticket uh, and that he had raised issues around racial profiling, uh, and police training. And so uh, there were other issues at play, and I wanted to be very sensitive to that. The report came back from a retired judge and essentially said that it, it, the, the minister uh, did not interfere in justice, and that he that, that what motivated his call was his concern around racial profiling. Uh, now, it's it's hard for somebody like me, quite frankly, to understand the experience or perspective of, of a black man who um, comes from a community that has faced uh profiling and so i wanted to be sensitive to those issues and and uh invite an independent third party to take a look at it and and i think that was the right approach
0: premier kenny it has been a pleasure thanks for joining us once again today thank you for our callers yeah great great questions thank you very much wayne we'll do this again next saturday morning at this time i'm wayne nelson thanks for joining us you have been listening to your province your premier